Andy. So we're here again for our monthly review of the research, uh, everything that's new in the world of leadership. We are indeed. It's great to see you again. Um, so this month, it's uh, we're really looking at the cost of living crisis, um, the fuel crisis caused in part by the war in Ukraine, and how that's kind of layered on top of two years of COVID, and people are probably getting to the end of the year and feeling exhausted. So we'd really like to take a look at the role of the leader and teaming to see how we can help people to interpret the new research that's coming out in a positive way and feel optimistic about the way that they handle the new challenges. We indeed are planning that. And, and actually, there's a lot to feel optimistic about. Let, let's just put that out there um, yes. to carry on listening. <laughs> and then you'll hear why. Um, but yeah, there, there is a lot to feel optimistic about, um, which sounds like a pretty unfeeling comment to make but it, it it's made in the in the best possible intention um so let's dig into it and, and find out why great and i'm going to start with one article um there's been a lot of talk about quiet quitting um and this one was um from daniel goldman really thinking about how do we re-engage employees who appear to be withdrawing somewhat from the workplace and just kind of doing the minimum as opposed to giving that discretionary effort. Yeah, and it can feel really easy to be in that space. What it shouts to me about, and, and you know, there were articles around, um, you know, the, the sort of the TikTok phenomenon, the amount of um, likes that that kind of commentary around quiet quitting. It may not have been actually this article thinking about it, it may have been another one that we looked at, but all of that stuff feels like someone on their own it feels lonely um and a lot of the sort of contributing factors to people thinking about quiet quitting feels lonely it feels like people being put aside forgotten about stepped over taken for granted um lonely gosh that's you know when you think that that's eight hours of everybody's day that's not a state mm. people want to be in right Absolutely. Um, I, I have to say, I would love to see um, the take on this kind of qu quiet quitting from other countries, because because I know, you know, it, it's largely what, what we've seen is US based. Mm. Um, and that's certainly a certain type of workplace. And I, and I think it'd be very interesting to see how that kind of, you, you know, I'm sure um, it, it happens all over, but I'd really like to understand what that looks like in other cultures. Um, we, yes. we don't have that data now, but it, it's certainly something worth thinking about because, of course, really, it's the culture that we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, it, it so is. And so talk to us a little bit about how how culture and purpose specifically probably can can help people to feel that sense of belonging and shed, shed the loneliness. Yeah, well, there's an overarching theme for all three of these articles that we're reviewing, actually. And I think it's actually about the role of the leader versus being a really effective team. Um, because the, the role of leader is shifting. Um, and lots of people may not realise it yet, but we're seeing it. We're seeing this notion of the leader being the single point of failure, responsible for creating the conditions, responsible for creating purpose for other people it is kind of old thinking um yes. and so don't get me wrong i love the content of this article and we agree with it really strongly we just have a view that this is something you don't do on your own 
this is something that let, let's find our purpose together. Let's let's do it as a team. Let's give everyone agency. Let's give them connection, help them build relationships um, and discover their purpose. Because absolutely we agree that, um, you know, having a really strong sense of purpose is something that would anchor you in an organization. But hey, how about a shared purpose yes. and creation of common ground and agency and contribution and skin in the game for the future desired state that we all want to get to? Isn't that even more engaging? Um, so, yeah, that's us. Absolutely. Yes. And and actually fits very well with the second article that we were looking at um, that Corn Ferry uh, uh, presented around actually leaders turning to their peers for support and that through these difficult oh. times, you know, once again, as you say, leaders feel that sense of they feel lonely too, lonely at the top, trying to have all the answers for everybody, when actually they should be turning to their peers and their teammates to say, I'm stuck here, let's do this together. That's right. When are we going to move to this place where leaders operate in an environment that supports them in thinking they don't have to have the answers they don't have to have all, at least they don't have to have the all all the answers actually their role becomes facilitator their role becomes a very valuable member of the team with a distinct role but actually the role being to create a team environment within which everyone feels they can contribute and think and share their best sort of um, thinking with other people um, so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a very interesting proposition, isn't it? Both articles so far, this recurring theme yeah. of love the uh, content, love the thinking, but let's do it together. <laughs> yes. And and gosh, I feel like for my whole career, we've been in this transition from leaders don't need to know everything to, you know, from leaders need to know everything to that's OK, you're the facilitator. And it does take a lot of courage to it say, does. I don't know. But at some point, we've got to embrace this because that's where teams are valuable, right? The smart people, if there was only one person that knew everything, that's an awful lot of waste of the rest of the team's abilities. And yeah. I think businesses are gradually getting better. And maybe it's us, each of us, that needs to shed that ego that allows us to say, you know, you've all got something useful to say. And that takes the pressure off me, but doesn't diminish me. Yeah. And I think that's why we like the content of this article, because that simple act of, um, you know, demonstrating the courage in asking for help is in itself admission that I don't know all the answers and permission for other people to help, you know, lean yes. in and, and help us come to the answers. Yes. The only other comment I wanted to make, um, I, I sort of got a bee in my bonnet today, but um, going back to the, the first article, um, I did notice a bit of an internal reaction to the sort of the lauded comment almost about, you know, work is not your life. Um, and I did think, well, that's all very well. But I believe for some people, it absolutely is their life in a really yes. positive way. Yes. And so we were only talking about curiosity uh, last night. But I think a little curiosity to understand what actually our our people's motivating factors would go a long way to solving some of these issues that lead to quiet quitting to to realize that it's actually really okay 
if work is your life and you get immense fulfillment and enjoyment from it and i have to say my, my own experience you know some of the most mundane tasks and environments that you would think work in you know i think about roles as a um picking up bingo uh tickets in a bingo <laughs> hall or when i worked in an ice cream factory on a conveyor belt they were some of the most energized engaged environments i've ever worked in yeah uh, people truly loved what they did not because of the mundane tasks but because of the relationships they have with the people they work there yes you know they, they knew each other inside out they supported each other um and actually that is testament to the fact that if we take care of the conditions then the engagement and the willingness to go the extra mile and give discretionary effort kind of takes care of itself yes i that's i think you're so right and actually we should be seeking for work to be a big part. I mean, it's it's so many hours of the day. If we just dismiss it and say, well, it's not your life. Well, that seems like an awfully sad way to approach things. It would be so much better to make work a positive thing that people felt good about. It doesn't yeah. have to be all of your life, but it has to be a big part. And so if it's if it's a positive big part, that's going to make you feel better about all of your life. And, and you know, I just want to, again, kind of just raise that we're not saying this in absence of realizing that this might be um sort of a little bit tactless for some people who do feel like they're stuck in um you know a, a real dead-end job or mundane tasks or being taken advantage of and and that's not the intention here at all you know we're we're thinking from a leadership perspective about what needs to happen to change that very environment so that people do feel valued they do feel part of a team and they you know are less impacted by the mundane tasks they may be undertaking because the culture absolutely engages them and makes them feel valued regardless of what the role is so so i think it's just important yes. that we're not talking about this in isolation what we're what we're saying is that and i think these articles really uh, articulate well is that and for us, it's not just the leader, it's it's everybody, but att paying attention to the environment within which we work, the relationships that govern our experience of work is the resolution. That That is the answer. That's what engages people and makes them want to give their best and enjoy the work they do. Indeed, and takes us smoothly to our final article around uh, mental health and Josh Burson <clears throat> reporting that something like 80% of people are reporting burnout now and how are organisations addressing that? And I think you have a nice, nice angle there. Please, 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 let's make this article the article that finally shifts the responsibility for people issues and opportunities and of course we're talking about mental health from being the sole responsibility of the pnc or hr function to it being the responsibility of the whole business which of course includes people functions but the the operational management the leadership take responsibility and i i just think that is a great opening statement in that article and um, I'm rooting for that to be the new the new norm, the new reality. Yes, which actually connects to some of the research we talked about in the last few months around humanising the workplace, right? And yes. actually, you know, this, from right from the top, understanding that your business is about humans and you need to care about them just as much as you do about 
how efficiently you produce whatever it is that you produce. And of course, senior leadership are humans too. And I've sort of got this <laughs> working hypothesis. You know, you think about the, and I saw many examples of organizations during pandemic, during lockdown, during working from home, really doing a great job of looking after people. And I think in some ways we, yes. we might be seeing the sort of the the turnout of this because, you know, now things are coming back to normal. Of course, there's a sort of reversal in some ways of that sort of extra care that people were enjoying um, during that sort of the, the lockdown, the separation period. But if we are going to cast a wider brush and say, well, everyone's human, that includes senior leadership. And I think exhaustion exists there. I think yes. burnout exists there. There's been so much effort put into looking after our people that you know we're also kind of coming out the other side for um senior leaders and you know it really puts me in mind of this idea that you know we work really well in a crisis well we've been working or trying to work really well and do the right things in a very long crisis yes um, and it's simply not sustainable so we have to start thinking about what do we need to put in place in the system in the environment to make those practices that we know landed really well, that we know nurtured people, that we know put them in a position to be able to thrive in very difficult circumstances. How do we make that the norm so it doesn't feel like we're actually operating in crisis and having to go above and beyond? Because otherwise, it's not just the team members and employees through the organisation who are burning out. It's, it's everybody, including senior leaders and, and executives and boards. And wouldn't that be a great thing to have a positive come out of this crisis and lockdown, that actually that transforms the way we work permanently and that we take those good practices and continue them when we're back to normal? And our process for that, as always, would be to include as many people in, as possible in a conversation about our W1, what do we want to achieve and why, what does good look like, across are three conditions from a clarity, a climate and a competence perspective. If we can have that conversation and discover common ground together, then we've all got skin in the game to contribute and play our part in creating that very environment that we all want to see. I love it. What a great way to end. And later in the year, we'll look at a retro and maybe that would be a great opportunity for people, a framework for people to use to retro the year and see what do we want to create? What do we want to keep? What do we want to throw out? I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, very good, well done.